God has a husband for you. It's just not me. Those were the words that my then husband said to me. And um, if I wasn't for sure my marriage was over, it was at that moment I knew for sure my marriage was over. Um, it's no secret that I'm divorced. And one of the ways that I got through, worked through my pain, uh, got through probably, not probably, the, the way I got through the hardest moments of my life being my divorce um, was I wrote about it. I wrote a book uh, called After the Covenant, Embracing Life After Divorce. And y'all, the book just turned one year old. Yay, very excited. And I wasn't for sure if I was going to ever go into depth um, about uh, the book and my marriage and the divorce. And I, I know I've said a bunch of times that I will talk about it, but there was always a piece of me that was hesitant, you know, like I moved, I lived through it, I moved past it. And I just didn't know if I wanted to relive it. But in thinking about it, I realized it's not about me reliving the hardest moment of my life, but about celebrating the fact that I got through the hardest moment of my life and celebrating the fact that I was able to um, write about it and to kind of memorialize it in a way that spoke to me. I've always been, little known fact about me, I've always been a writer. I've always um, had this gift of just putting words to moments and to, um, to situations and stories. And I just never really, um, honed in on it, if you will. Like I never really uh, took the time to nurture that gift for one reason or another. So when when I knew that I was gonna write this book, it was a little intimidating, but very freeing. And it took me to a place that I hadn't been in a while. So this book, um, it is my baby and it has really done a lot of things for me. So I wanted to take a moment, I wanted to use this episode um, as a chance to just kind of talk about the book, uh, relive some of those moments, um, some high moments, some low moments. Um, and again, just celebrate the fact that my book um, has been out for a year. I have sold a few copies, y'all, uh, for everyone that has supported me, for everyone that um, not only bought a book, but bought books, for other people to read. I appreciate y'all so much. I had a few people um, that, yeah, just didn't buy a book, but bought five books. I probably had about, probably like four or five people that legit bought at least three books. Um, I had two people buy five books and I had a few people buy three books and a couple people buy like four books. Crazy that I remember that. Um, 
with the intent of buying the book and then giving it to other people. And not just people that are going through a divorce. Um, single people have my book. Married, happily married people have my book. Um, and of course, divorce. Divorcees have my book. But to everyone who supported After the Covenant, I appreciate y'all so much. And I'm I'm at this place now where I'm trying to figure out, okay, God, like I wrote the book. It had a little traction. You know, now what? Right. So now I am going to start re um, marketing the book and not really rebranding because, you know, after the covenant, living the after is is who I am. I'm owning it. I am currently in my after. And, you know, I have some good days. I have some bad days. But y'all, I'm doing it. I am doing the very thing that I thought I would never be able to do. And that is why I'm taking this moment, this episode to celebrate my book um, that, that I did. So I wanted to just share with everyone the backstory, how the book came to be, and just my journey through writing this book. Um, and then, you know, of course, there'll be moments where I will really kind of like dive into um, my marriage and my divorce because I, I realize I talk about it, but I don't talk about it for, for various obvious reasons, right? But um, again, when I wrote the book, I, well, to, to back up before I knew I was going to write a book. I um I was in therapy. I was seeing a therapist, and her first assignment for me was to write about the one thing that I was afraid to say out loud. And one of the things that I was afraid to say out loud um, is that my biggest fear is that I will be alone for the rest of my life. Um, but I just didn't write that, right? Like I wrote it in like a little creative story time type of situation. And she encouraged me to journal. So I started journaling, I started writing. And my next session, I gave it to her because I was too too afraid, too fearful, too whatever to, to read it out loud. So I gave it to her. And she said, this is really good. She said, now I don't want you to go home and write about what else you didn't put down because there's more here. There's more to this. So continue to talk about that thing you don't want to talk about. <sighs> okay, girl. So I went home, did the same thing and I gave it to her and then we had our session and then she called me a couple of days later and said, Tasha, this is really good. Like I was thinking about what you wrote um, because I actually continued to write and I emailed her. So she called me and said, this is Tasha. Tasha, this is really good. You ever think about writing a book? And my first instinct was, girl, no, I don't want to be known as the divorcee. No, because, you know, growing up, you think of the divorcee is like this old lady and this old bitter lady and this old bitter lady with a house full of cats. Like, I don't want to be the divorcee. Like, I'm popping, I'm cute. No. And she said, I knew he was going to say that. She said, but your story can help somebody else. So just think about it. So I thought about it. And then I came back and was like, 
okay, I thought about it. And yeah, I guess I could help somebody else. But girl, when do I have time to write a book? I don't have time. Um, so y'all, we had that conversation in like February of 2020. Everybody knows what happened in March of 2020. So I went from saying, I don't have time to write a book to legit being in my house like the rest of the world because everything was shut down. And I had nothing but time on my hands, right? Nothing but time. You know, I did my work from home thing, but then I was home. Like everything was virtual. There was no going out. There was, the malls were closed. The movies were shut down. Like nobody was going to church, you know, in person. Nobody was going to the office. We were in the house and you can only watch but so much TV. You can only sleep but so much. Um, and then I still wasn't at the place where it was like, okay, I'm gonna write this book. What happened because we were, um, because everything was shut down, not only were we in a pandemic, but I was in a pandemic alone for the first time in 15 years. So I was in the house with my daughter by myself. And I know you're listening to this, like Tasha, we were all by ourselves. No, 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 no. I was by myself. So there are some people that were single before the pandemic. So, you know, they're, you know, not to be insensitive, but it's like, this is your norm. Like you're used to being by yourself. Like you're used to living alone. This was not my norm. So to bring the timeline into context, um, my ex ended up moving out spring of 2019. And um, I had gotten my new job July 1st of 2019. And we went to court for the divorce. Um, I want to say the fall, the end of the summer fall. So like September, August, September of 2019. And I got my paperwork it, it actually might have been September. It might have been September. I got my paperwork November of 2019. November, November, early December. So by the end of 2019, I was officially divorced. And y'all, my 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 months might be a little foggy, but you get it. Like spring, you moved out. End of summer, fall, we were at court by wintertime divorced, right? Um, so I was adjusting my mind to being single, but I had gotten my passport because I never had a passport. So I got my passport because I was like, I'm going to travel. I'm going to do everything that I couldn't or wasn't able to do when I was married. So I was going to travel. I was going to go out. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. I didn't do anything because nobody was traveling. Nobody was going anywhere. You, I couldn't go to the movies. I, I couldn't go out, hang out, you know, at the restaurants, at the lounges. I couldn't get on the plane. I couldn't do anything. I was in the house. And writing a book was not the first thing on my mind. I was, I went to a depressed state because I was really alone and I could not go out to distract. There were no distractions. I couldn't go out. I couldn't hang out. I couldn't date. I couldn't do anything. And then when you went out, you had masks on, and you know, in the beginning, if y'all remember, we had gloves and we had masks and we were so fearful because this 
disease had taken over our world and it was very foreign to us. And then you heard everyone that got the disease in the beginning, in my opinion, they were dying. So you heard this person got COVID and that person got COVID and, and they were leaving here. So it was so scary. So I went into this depressed state where it's like, God, am I going to die? And, and if so, am I going to die alone? Like the very thing that I had wrote about initially in my journal, I was faced with. So I was very low. Oh my God, I cried so much, y'all. Like I cried so much. I slept all the time. Um, I just, I just didn't want to be bothered with life. It was, it was, I was miserable. And um, I can remember it was so bad one night. I was, I cried myself sore. Like I cried until I didn't recognize my voice, which, you know, I had done before, which is not a good feeling. Um, I was weeping. Um, I cried so bad. I woke my daughter up and, and she came to like, check on me and I had scared her because I was weeping and wailing and distraught because it was the pain of losing the person that I thought I was going to love for the rest of my life. It was the pain of losing the the thing, like the marriage itself, like that the covenant was broken. And as a believer, I felt like I had failed God. It was the pain and the soreness and the rawness of being alone. It was all this wrapped up and I was in pain and nobody could help me. I didn't want to talk to anybody because what could they have done? And I remember I cried myself so bad. Cam came in my room and she was like, mommy, are you okay? You're scaring me. And I was like, I'm, and I got myself together just enough to say, I'm okay, go to bed, I'm okay. And she left the room and I remember sitting on the side of the bed, screaming, like just in agony. And I slid off the bed, cause y'all know I'm dramatic. I slid off the bed and was on my knees and just pure pain. And I, I, feel like I'm a tough girl, right? I've, I've always said I have a high tolerance for pain, a very high threshold for pain, but that emotional pain, I'd rather take physical pain all day. And I was on my knees in the middle of my bedroom floor, in the middle of the night, in the dark, just crying. And this was not the first time I had an experience like this, um, I'll talk about it in the book, where I'm just having these moments of low, just low. And God himself has to literally step into where I am to comfort me. And it was one of those moments where I was in the middle of the floor on my knees in the dark in the middle of the night. And I, and this is y'all, I'm not just saying this because it sounds good. I'm telling you what I experienced. I felt God come in my room and wrap himself around me. And just thinking about it makes me emotional, not because it's 
I'm sad about it. But to think back that this enormous, omnipresent, sovereign being who has created the universe and, and earth is his footstool, as we say, and he he made this world. He's the creator of us all. He took a moment to come see about little me in a two-bedroom apartment in the middle of the city, in the middle of the night, who was crying because she lost her husband, who was crying because she thought she was a failure, who was crying because, you know, she felt like she had failed as a mother because she couldn't, because she picked not one, but two men that didn't show up for her daughter. She she was crying and she was upset and she was sad because she felt like all hope was lost. Y'all, I was hopeless. And I can't explain it, but I felt the presence of the almighty God come in my room and literally wrap himself around me. Like at one point, um, to explain it, I was on my knees like my chest was to my knees, I was balled up in the middle of the in the middle of my my bedroom floor crying, and it felt like two big arms coming around me and just holding me. And I was weeping, y'all weeping, and I felt this comfort, this peace just come around me and I cried a little bit more but it wasn't as painful it was like the sting came out of the tears and the tears turned from a pain to a peace and as the tears fell from my eyes it went from a stabbing pain to a comfort. It's so weird. I hope, I hope this makes sense. Like it was so weird. And the tears, they kept coming, but they didn't hurt as much. And it, it felt like almost like a refreshing, like the tears kept coming, but it wasn't because I was in pain. It was like, okay, let's release all of this. Tasha, get it out. Get it out. It's okay. Like, woo, woo, woo. There, there, girl. Like, it was like that. And it was coming out. I was crying. And then it was like, I took a deep breath and I exhaled like, <sighs> and then I sat up and the spirit was like, get your pen, get your book. And I started writing. And for days, I would just write in my journal, just write in my journal, and then got my laptop out. And the first thought was fear. You got to talk about this fear. I started writing about fear, and then hope, and then love, and then peace, and then and gratitude, and purpose, and, and destiny. 
and I just started typing. It went from writing to typing. And then eventually, you know, we could kind of go inside a little bit. And then I would go to the park with my laptop. And I would just type. Just click, 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 just type, 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 type. And oh my God, when I tell you it was it's better than therapy, man. Like I was freeing myself with every chapter. Every, every time. And I um I got through a few chapters and then I took uh, what I wrote to a, a trusted advisor who I won't name. And that person read it and said, this is good. This is good. And then they said, Tasha, I might need to rethink some things about you because this is really good. This is really good. And I said, thank you. And it was like, I mean, I'm not trying to insult you or offend you. And I, I know you're intelligent and, and I know you have gifts, but I didn't think you had this. Like this, this makes me rethink some things about you. And, and this is good. And I said, I just want to make sure it makes sense. I just want it to make sense. They said, it makes perfect sense. I was like, all right, great. I just kept on writing, kept on writing, kept on writing. And there were moments where I had to stop writing because of how I write. And of course, I'm going to plug the book. So if you've read the book, you know what I mean. If you haven't read the book, I still have copies available. Um, so there were moments where I would write about past scenarios. And because I like to tell a story and I like to put the reader right in the room, I'm very specific, very detailed. And there were moments where I was writing and was right back in that moment. And I had to sit in it and own it and deal with it and process it. Because a lot of times when you go through things, you're not processing what you're going through. You're you're living what you're going through. Like your mind is taking you through the steps in that moment. It's not until after we come out of a thing where we can look back and kind of process the meaning, the lesson, um, the, the purpose, the why behind it. I think a lot of times when we go through things, we're in the what part, the what part, like, okay, what is happening, you know, and we're reacting to the what. Once we get out of a thing and we look back, then we deal with the why. So it was a lot of that that was happening with me. And there were some moments where I would relive, relive a scenario and it was a, oh, you know what? I was, I was right. Like what I thought was happening in that moment happened. Or it was a, dang, Tasha, you messed that up. Like that wasn't even the move, right? Like that, that ain't what he meant. I could see why he reacted to you that way. Cause girl, you was bugging. And then, and then there are moments where it, it brings up, you know, hurt feelings. And then there are moments where it brings up happy feelings. So I, whether it was good, bad, indifferent, uh, whether it was a great moment or a low moment, I had to sit in that moment um, because I was transported back to that moment. So there were moments where I would write about something and I couldn't write for a while. For instance, 
my miscarriages were hard to write about. The first one uh, was hard because he, the first time he, the first time my ex-husband left, we were going into our 10th year of marriage. So this particular year, it would have been our 10 year anniversary, but it, we got married in September. So this happened like in March, I think. And he, he moved out on a Friday that Monday, I had a positive pregnancy test. And there were some things, again, you got to read the book. There were some things that happened um, once he found out and some reactions and it really like hurt my feelings. And it was like, well, you know, whether we're together or not, you know, this baby is still a blessing. And I, I, I wanted to have my husband's child. And then, you know, I miscarried. Uh, and I was trying to be very, you know, non-stressful and trying to just go through the motions and da 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 And I still, you know, miscarried. And it was like, okay, maybe that's for the better. Um, I had the uh, DNC, I, you know, I did all that thing, all that jazz. And it was hard. It was emotional. Um, again, some things happened that I wrote about, some things I didn't write about. And, you know, we got through it, right? The second miscarriage was hard, but harder because at that moment, me and my ex were back together. We were rebuilding. We were actively in counseling. We were really trying to make things work. And then I found that I was pregnant and we were ecstatic. We were ecstatic. We was like, yes, we weren't trying to get pregnant. Um, at this moment, we weren't trying to get pregnant. And it was like, this is a sign. This is our rainbow baby. You know, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it. And then I lost that one um, unexpectedly. And it was a nightmare because I was in so much denial. I refused to go um, to have the fetus surgically removed. I refused. And I said, I if this baby's not going to be vital, it's going to have to leave my body on its own. And the doctor was like, if, if that's your choice, then that's your choice. He was like, but it's going to be hard and it's going to be traumatic. And I just, I just want to make sure you you know what you're doing. And I, I said, you're not going to go in and take this baby. Like if <laughs> this baby's not going to live, he's going to have to pass on its own. And for clarity, I was very much, um, I was just about to go into my second trimester, um, so I was, uh, almost 12 weeks. I was at the 11 week scan and when there was no heartbeat because we were about to, we were super excited. We had told people, um, but we were trying not to tell everybody because of the previous miscarriage. Um, and we went in and there was no heartbeat and it might've been 10 or 11 weeks, but I was close to 12 weeks and close to ending um, the out of the woods stage, but clearly, you know, I was definitely not out of the woods. And I decided to pass the baby or, or miscarry, whatever, um, naturally. So I was at home, I was on bed rest. And for a few days, nothing happened. And I was like, see, it's a miracle. Like God, God has me. And then like the next day, I started bleeding really bad. Not to be graphic, it was horrible. It's beyond like 
your period beyond the worst period you've ever had. It was beyond anything like that. It was it was horrible. And there are some moments where I think maybe I should have just had the surgical procedure and just got it over with. But it was it was debilitating, to be honest. Um, and again, I'm a tough girl. I'm a tough cookie, so I can take pain. But it it was very hard. Um, and it was bad. But you know, my ex, he was very accommodating. He was very supportive, and I'm grateful for that. But to write about those moments, it was hard because I hadn't really thought about it because, you know, my husband was gone, my marriage is over. But but to write about the miscarriages took me to that place of pain and took me to that place of questioning why. Because it didn't make sense to me. And, and now it does because... You know, had I had I had went through, if those pregnancies would have survived, I would have been a single mom of three children, or at the very least, two children. And you know, God, He knows all, and He does all things very well. So you know, to go back and to process it. It's like, okay, well, that's why, you know, like that makes sense. But in that moment, I didn't understand and I didn't like it. And it wasn't until I had to write about it and read it and sit in it where it was like, uh, you know, I get it. You know, God, you were looking out, good looking out. Um, so it was, so it was writing those hard moments. Um, you know, talking about the infidelity to a certain degree. I didn't really want to dive into that. Um, and not because I couldn't talk about it. It was a conscious decision not to highlight that part of the pain. Um, but I did I did speak on it again. Got to get the book. I did speak on it a little bit, but like to to actually write what happened. And then even in my childhood, like it was the divorce, the book is about the divorce, but the book is more about the evolution of Tasha than it is the divorce of Tasha, is what I'll say. Um, so there are even moments where I go back in my childhood and I talk about things in my past that made so much sense, made so much sense as an adult. Um, you know, I often say my sister was the good child and I don't think it was intentional of my parents to label her the good child, but in actuality, you know, when you have a good child, it's assumed that the other one is the not good child, but my parents never, never called me that. But subconsciously it was like, well, there's only space for one child, one good child, but that was never said, but because of society and culture, it was just like, oh, well, if she's the good one, then I guess I'm the bad one. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know. So it was talking about things, you know, like that and being this perfect wife because I wasn't the perfect daughter or the perfect child. There were moments where I felt like I had to be the perfect wife. Now, again, my parents never put that label on me. That's something that I self-labeled and I carried. But because I didn't talk about it, I couldn't be healed from it. 
And I saw a quote um, a while ago that said, you can't, you can't heal from what you don't talk about. You can't heal what you can't hear. If you keep it inside, you can't heal from it. So because I didn't vocalize and verbalize that part of my childhood, I did not heal from it until an adult after my divorce, which in retrospect makes me feel like, okay, well, another byproduct of the divorce is healing from a childhood trauma. You've heard me say here before, you know, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate. My sister and I, we talked about it, how we've never been molested. You know, we've never been raped. We've never been homeless, you know, this, that, and the third. But there was still trauma as a child that I had to heal from. My trauma was I labeled myself the bad child. So as a wife, whenever my ex was disappointed in me or not happy with me, I instantly went back to my childhood where it was like, okay, I don't want to be the bad wife. What do I have to do to appease him? In doing that, I created a culture in my marriage where I made it okay for him to treat me in a certain way. I hope that makes sense. Um, but I didn't realize it in that moment or at that time, I didn't realize I was doing that because because I, I didn't equate that to my childhood trauma. It makes sense to me, don't worry about it. I've been in therapy, so yeah, yeah, bear with me. Um, yeah, it just, it just did not, it just did not make sense to me. So, you know, now being divorced, I can say, yeah, you know, the divorce, it hurt, but it was, it was a good thing. You know, I, you know, I hate to be churchy y'all, but you know, scripture says it was good that I was afflicted. It was good that I got divorced, that I had to go through that. And four years ago, I never would have thought that I would be saying that now that it was good that I got a divorce, but it was good that I got a divorce because I had to go through that to heal all the parts of me, because without it, I never would have been able to heal those parts of me. I never would have been able to see Tasha for who she is now. Never would have been able to soar in his shadow. Never would, would have been able to do the things that I'm doing. Without a divorce, there would be no after the covenant. And I know that sounds crazy, but you know that's, that's really how I feel about it now. Like I had to go through those things to get to the better part of me because there is life after loss. There is love after loss. Like there is something else on the other side of the after, but you gotta have, you gotta have an after, which means something has to end for there to be an after. And I didn't want to believe that. I didn't want to realize that. And my after was divorce. Your after could be something else. We all have to go through something to get to that part of us we're supposed to be. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the book. I'm grateful that it took it took me a while. So I was on I was in a groove. I was doing really well with writing. Again, I had some hiccups. So when those hiccups, when those trigger moments came, y'all, I wouldn't write for like weeks. I mean weeks. And I had a great accountability partner. Did you write today? 
did you did you write that? Did you write that? And it's just like, no, no, girl, no, 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 no. And then I had to I had to get through those moments. So that was the holdup, getting through those tough parts. But I'm glad I did that because it shows up in the writing. I had to mentally put myself in places I didn't want to go because when I want other people to take away from is the authenticity, the um, the rawness of my words because I never thought I would be divorced. I never thought that this would be my life, but it is. And we are all going through something where we can all say, yo, I never thought this would be my life. But it is. And we have to live through it and we have to push through it. And if one person is helped by me pushing through the worst parts of me, then it was all worth it. It was all worth it. So yeah, got the book. Y'all, I had the design. Um, I had the, I had the book edited. I did all of that, had it formatted and it set in my laptop. I did all of that ready to go. I said, I did it. I wrote the book. I did the cover. I got it edited. It is formatted. We are good to go. It is in my MacBook. Boom. Did it. Save the file. Be done. Ain't that dumb, (laughs) y'all? The book was literally ready to publish. It was in my laptop and I didn't do anything with it for how long did it sit? A couple months, a couple months, because I didn't have the money, the means, the time or the wherewithal to publish a book. And at that time, um, my pastor was was doing Facebook live prayers and it was six o'clock prayers. I think we did it twice a week, I'm not mistaken. And um, because y'all, y'all know I'm admin. I was on the other side, um, you know, doing the comments. I was, you know, you know, working like I do. And uh, this particular morning, uh, my pastor was praying, prophesying, and he says, um, I don't know who this is for, but the Lord said to, to, to finish it. Somebody has started something. And the Lord said to finish it. And when he said it, y'all, it hit my gut. I was in my bedroom at 6.30 in the morning, full tears, convicted because I knew that was for me. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to publish a book. I don't know how to do any of this. But prior to that morning, for the months that the book set, I, I felt like I was carrying this weight, almost like this lump in my throat, and I just couldn't get it out. Like it was just something sitting heavy weighted on me. I couldn't, I didn't know what it was. And then honest to God, when my pastor said that, and I started crying in my in my room, and I started praying, and I, I yielded to the will of the Lord, and I, I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But I know this word is for me. And once I did that, when I tell you like instantly this weight came off of me and I felt free. And that night I was up. I'll never forget it. I started a website. I, I started my website. Um, 
I looked up all the information to get the book published. I actually, um, I think I didn't have a back cover at that moment, so I did the back cover. And about two o'clock in the morning, NatashaLavon.com was born. You know, like it was, it was a thing. And um, that, that through that night I did graphics, um, I did my social media posts. So when people woke up, I, I figured out the dates, I figured out how it was going to publish. I figured out, girl, I had, I had a whole plan. I said, you know, if you do pre-sales from this date to this date, this is how much it's going to cost to publish the book. Um, if you sell these many books, then this book will pay for itself and da 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 Because bef- before, all day I had been praying, like, God, I don't know how to do this, but I know it is in your will. Give me the strategy. Give me the plan to execute what I need to. And by the end of the evening, I had a plan and I was like, all right, I'm going to work on it tomorrow. And I laid down and then about midnight I woke up because it wouldn't even let me sleep. And I was up in my bed and I had um, I had started my company. Like I got my EIN for Natasha Levon. Uh, which is the name of my my company, my brand. And I did the website and I did the back cover and I figured out how, like I did everything. I did the graphics, I did the social media posts, like I said, I did everything. So by the time the world woke up that morning, I had a post about a book that was coming out in like two months and pre-sales started on like that Friday or something. And when I tell you my phone like I didn't break the internet because I ain't that popular. But when I tell you my phone was going off non-stop text messages, DMs, phone calls, like literally I could not work. Like all day, my phone was on a thousand. My friends, my family, everyone was so ecstatic. Like, come on, book, go ahead, girl. Like literally people I hadn't talked to in forever. People I didn't even know followed me. People I didn't even know paid attention to me were blowing my phone up, excited about this book. And little did anyone know, like literally all I had was what I did on my computer. I didn't have a book in hand. But I said, well, if I sell this many books, I can order this many books and I can ship this many books out and I won't make money off of this book, but I won't go broke for this book either. And May, uh, mid-May, I had, actually, um, I'm lying, I'm in May. Um, March, it was March. It was March the 1st, I think, because it was the beginning of what, Women's History Month. And so it was the end of February, March 1st, I did the post and I'm pretty sure I did the, the post March 1st, y'all. Don't don't clock me. Let me look it up real quick. I'm pretty sure I did the, the post on March 1st. Um, yeah, we'll go with it. Pretty sure that's when it was. And because I remember in, in May, the book would be out. I believe like May 13th was my release date. And the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> the book, uh, you know, came out. They went to my sister's house. I was so excited. I was so nervous because I'm like, Oh my God, like, what if it's not right? What if it's not right? And there was some snafus with the publisher. 
And I was like, this, I have to have this book in time to get it out to the people. Like I've sold this book. This book has to come out. And, you know, the book came out. It's, it just, it was literally my baby. Like I couldn't stop looking at it. I couldn't stop touching it. There are still moments where I will pick up an extra copy and just like look at it and hold it and, and thumb through it. And oh my gosh, y'all, like probably beyond my daughter, like my book is one of my biggest accomplishments. It makes me smile to think about it because out of the hardest moment of my life came something I thought I would never do, something I thought that could not be done, something I thought I could not do happened out of my biggest pain. So I'll pause there just to encourage whoever's listening to me um, to know that if you are going through a low season, if you're going through a hard season, go through it. I have learned from experience that your hardest season won't kill you. I have lived through my hardest season. It won't kill you. And not only will it not kill you, it will help you birth the thing that you were supposed to do. I would never have written a book if I hadn't gotten divorced. As crazy as it sounds, right? Like, and 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 that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like, there's so many things. Like, I'm I'm doing the thing that I love to do, and I didn't even know I loved to do it. But I know I could not have had these experiences with my ex-husband. I remember one time I was praying and I was like, Lord, I want to share this with him. This was um, when I kind of first got the job that I'm working at now. And I was so excited, nervous, but excited. And I was like, Lord, like, I wish he was here to experience this with me. I'm meeting all these great people. I'm doing all these amazing things, you know, through work. And I have nobody to share it with. He would love this. And I was so distraught. And I heard the Lord clearly say to me, this was not for him. This is for you. And I just sat there because in the moments that I've heard God speak audibly to me, it always, it always shuts me down, y'all. Like, I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. And of course, you know, God speaks to me, but there are moments where I hear his voice, just like I'm talking to you. And I can hear my own voice through these headphones that I'm wearing. I can hear God's voice. And when that happens, I'd be like, all right, you got it. Say less. <laughs> You're right. But when he said that to me, this, this is not for him. This is for you. That was the last time I said that. That was the last time I thought that. That was the last time I entertained that. Like, no, the good things that are happening are for me. So again... Let me stop here to say, if you're listening to me, the good things that are happening to you, they are for you. Your pain, your trauma, your hard moments that you go through, they're for other people. They, You go through those moments so you can tell other people you can make it because I made it. So the pain, the trauma that I went through, I went through it so I can say, you got this. You can do this. You can make it because I made it. But all the good stuff that happens, it's for me. Now, to be clear, 
yes, I include my family, my friends, my village on good things for sure. I have an, I had just honestly today, I was presented with an amazing opportunity and um, I, I already knew who I wanted to share it with. So I called my homegirl and said, you're coming with me. This is what we're going to do. And because, you know, I believe in reaching back and just like someone reached back and, and, and grabbed me and gave me help and gave me a hand, I do the same thing for other people. But with that being said, the good things that I experience because of my pain are for me. The pain is to tell somebody else. But the good stuff after the pain, now that's for me to enjoy. So I no longer felt guilty about living the life that I live now without the man that broke my heart. I don't feel guilty about that anymore. He made his decision. And I'm fine with that. I'm okay, I'm okay with that. So, you know, you know, back to the book. The book is my baby. Um, if you if you don't have a copy of the book, um, I'm still selling copies of the book. Um, they are sold exclusively on my website at natashalavon.com. And not only are we now living in the after, I'm sorry, not only um, do we have the book after the covenant, um, once the book was released, I said, okay, God, after the covenant, now what? Now what? Like, what happens now? And I went, one of my favorite preachers was in town and I went to hear him preach. And he talked about living in the after. That wasn't his topic, but he, he said those words throughout his sermon. And when he said it, it hit me, hit me in my gut. It there was a there was a witness in my soul, you know. I just it agreed with me, and I started crying. Y'all know me. I started crying, and I said, "Lord, this is it, this is it." And it it resonated so deep with me. I ended up um, having to um, send him a message on Instagram, like, "Sir, you don't really know me, but thank you." Like I was looking for an answer, and I found it because of your obedience. And it wasn't a direct prophecy. But it was a word that the Lord had given him, and I knew it was for me. So out of that moment, living the after was created because that's what I'm doing. Yeah, after the covenant, then what? You live. Good, bad, or indifferent, you, you live. I talked about in the book how there were times where I didn't want to be here anymore. And I know what that feels like. Um, so when people talk about it, I, I empathize with them so deeply because I know what it feels like to want to not live anymore. I, I thought dying was easier because living had become so hard. I didn't want to do it anymore. My, my divorce, I told you, it took me to a low place. And that was one of the low places. I, I, wanted, I didn't want to live here. I didn't, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to breathe anymore. And the only thing that kept me wanting to wake up was the fact that I had a child here that I, I couldn't leave by herself. So I know what it's like to not to want to live. So I had made up in my mind when I got to a better place that I was going to live in the after. And that's what I'm doing. I'm not just existing. I'm not just surviving. I'm living and I'm enjoying it. Do I make mistakes? Absolutely. 
Do I make bad decisions? Of course I do. But I'm living and I love every minute of it. I love every minute of it. So I couldn't think of a better way to end this episode than with a quote from my book. And to be fair, it's not a quote that I wrote, but um, if you have the book, you know that every chapter is signified by day. Every day um, has a theme. So every chapter, every day is a a theme. And then at the end of the chapter, I go into a moment of revelation. Um, You know, what have we learned from this chapter? Because I believe in growth and evolution. Um, And I feel like in order to grow, you have to learn, you have to take something with you. And then at the end of that revelatory moment, there is a quote. So um, I took a quote of a quote, if you will, from my book. Um, But before I say the quote again, thank you to everyone who has supported After the Covenant. Thank you for everyone who bought the book. Thank you to everyone who bought a Live in the After hoodie or t-shirt. If you don't have yours, again, the website is live. It is still going strong. the website is natashalavon.com. Of course, you can always follow me on our socials at No Prelude Podcast. And of course, Natasha underscore Lavon on Instagram. So, oops, sorry, y'all. I'm going to end um, this episode with this quote that is found. I should have been more prepared, y'all, my bad in the epilogue of my book, um, and it's entitled Journey. So I'll talk about, you know, my journey, um, where I go from here, because it's at the end of the book. So I talk about, you know, now what, where do I go from here? And the quote is from Chico Xavier. And it says, though nobody can go back and make a new beginning, anyone can start over and make a new ending. And that is what I do every day. That is what we do every day. Every day we wake up and we live this life. God gives us an opportunity to create a new ending. Thank y'all so much for your support. Y'all know I love everybody. I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.